Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again. And I have to start off just by saying this because everyone that's listened to the show knows by now, I am a huge baseball fan. And when I say huge baseball fan, I mean that I enjoy just the beginning of it when it comes to spring training, the stuff that the casual fan will not get into. Like I actually look at the single A, double A prospects that come through spring training and I get excited. I'm like, oh, wow, he might be good in a couple of years and start estimating things like that. I I just can't help it. I mean, I'm like most uh, fans out there. You just like every little detail of the sport. So obviously it's a new baseball season. We're in February, about to make that nice transition into March. Catchers, pitchers and catchers already reported. Then the rest of the players came in. We are now starting to think about the springtime finally, because when baseball comes, you know it's springtime right around the corner. Every team is currently either in Florida or they're in Arizona. So it's that type of mindset. For fans of all the teams out there, mostly Mets fans, all right, let's be honest, I'm a Yankee fan, okay? So we always assume we have a chance to win it. Now, the other teams out there, this is the first time when they sort of get a glimpse of the future, or maybe this is the, the player that's coming up that's going to change everything. You know, those, uh, those pipe dream hopes, those hopes that down the line that we are just setting up for, the, for this grand run of championships and, and different things. And, and one thing I must say about baseball that you can't say with most other sports is there is a lot of parity. You're going to have the same teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox always fighting for a title. But you are going to get that surprise team like the Kansas City Royals that won it that year. Um, the Mets that year that made it to the World Series that will surprise you. And with that being said, you always look at the young talent that is coming up through spring training. It's your first glimpse at that draft pick maybe from a year or two ago. You know, whoever is that next Manny Machado, the next Bryce Harper. You know, that's that's the type of player you're looking for for your franchise. Now, obviously, spring training 2019, everyone's trying to catch the dreaded Boston Red Sox. Listen, hats off to the Red Sox. I'm obviously a Yankees fan, so I hate everything that has to do with that franchise. But uh, they put it all together. I mean, that was a a complete team from top to bottom. The pitching staff did just enough for that team to win. They could hit one through nine. Their their batting order was insane. And uh, they got the job done. Alex Cora was in his first year as manager, just the same way as Aaron Boone was. And the team really rallied around them. They really just took it to another level. And they were by far the best team. They just they just knew what to do at the right times. And, and it should be interesting to see how they carry on and see if they can repeat. Now, they, did, they didn't really do a lot of big moves that you would expect. But um, when you're defending champions, you don't necessarily need to go out there and say, okay, I got to go get this guy. I got to go get that guy. You already have the pieces that are there to grow and possibly repeat. So I understand about keeping your core guys together, and that's basically what they do have. They have their core unit together. You're now going into another season of just having that experience. Red Sox are going to be fine. That's the bottom. I don't want to spend too much time on the Red Sox because that's just terrible, but 
My Yankees, I'm going to have a nice segment about them later, as well as uh, the New York Mets. I know a lot of Mets fans always get excited around this time because I, I can't remember a year in which the Mets, you know, Mets fans were not excited about their team because as bad as they get around All-Star break, they are one of the best teams out the gate. Like, they start off very well. I, I think there was a year where they started off 10-2. and two. Uh, Last year, they were good. There was, there was moments where... On the back page of the newspaper, they had the nerve to say, this is a Mets, time, a Mets town now. Yeah, like, they, they literally said on the back of uh, plenty of sports newspapers in New York City that this is a Mets town. Obviously, that did not last long as the Mets did their usual collapse. But my question is, when, when are Mets fans going to be realistic about it? Let's just be honest. I mean... This is a good team. This is this is a good team on paper, but they can never stay healthy. And I'm not going to go and do a big deep dive right now. I'm going to start doing my digging a little bit later in the show. And if you agree with me, let me know. Disagree at Ed Easton Jr. Feel free. I'm going to start actually having people, you know, chime in on future episodes just to give their thoughts on the Mets and Yankees or even just their comments on me. I'm going to actually allow that audio to come through and I will answer them on the show starting next week. So this is going to be a new thing that I want to try out. I want to answer some uh, listener feedback questions on different things. It could be on baseball, basketball, etc. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to listen. I'm going to be honest about the Mets. I'm just going to go deep into it. If you're a Mets fan, you may feel a way, but that's fine. That is fine. I'm using this platform right now to share my thoughts on it and my grievances for that matter because I'm surrounded by so many Mets fans. And, you know, the delusional thoughts, and it's just a lot. It's a lot. That's what I got to say. It's a lot to deal with. What's also a lot to deal with is the uh, just the, the, the random uh, the, the contracts. I mean, baseball, look, I, I love baseball because of the whole, like, non-salary cap situation. They could just throw... Uh, numbers that I thought were imaginary at players that they really want. Um, Arenado just got $285 million from the Colorado Rockies to stay for eight years. And the thing with this deal, the per year average is insane. This is the most by any position player in baseball history. It's, it's, it's amazing how they got that done. But uh, that's the Rockies. That's what they want to do. Of course, Manny Machado made a decision. He's not going to be in pinstripes. He'd rather go to San Diego. He'd rather be a Padre. And don't worry. Don't feel bad that he's going to the Padres that haven't been a good team in years. Don't feel bad at all. He's going with $300 million. I wouldn't feel bad. $300 million in sunny San Diego. You stay classy. And that's exactly what he's going to do out there. So all power to him. That's a huge deal. The Yankees were not going to go to that number. They weren't going to go anywhere near that number. Let's be honest. We're okay with Tulowitzki. Also, Bryce Harper. That's a, that's a mystery within itself. I've been hearing the Phillies and then the Dodgers and, and you know, just this random team. Just throw it out there. The Yankees are still in play. The Yankees are never not in play. Let's just be honest. Uh, the Mets, for some reason, I heard. It, there's, uh, there's always going to be the speculation surrounding him. And I know he loves it. He's already missed the first week of training camp. 
uh, spring training. I'm calling training camp. Spring training. He's already missed the first week of that. So I have my assumptions on what's going to happen with him as well. Going to go through that in the, um, during the show. Also, for each segment, I do want to play a little bit of the press conferences. So for the Yankees, I'm going to play a little of Aaron Boone's introductory press conference to the uh, new season, to spring training. So him introducing himself all over again, I should say, to uh, the media and uh, just his thoughts on the upcoming season. I'm going to hear that. Also, the newest Met, Robinson Cano, as well as uh, Diaz. He was also um, a part of that deal with the Seattle Mariners to see how they're going to help the New York Mets this season. Uh, also, Machado, his uh, press conference joining the Padres and becoming a lot richer and a lot happier. So we're going to hear that as well. And I just want to remind everybody, as always, at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, feel free to follow me and uh, tweet at me. And uh, also, you know, DM me only if it's nice. If it's nice, be nice, okay? Let me know what you think. If there's something you want to suggest for the show. But like I said, we're going to do more feedback stuff starting next week. That's going to be um, something I'm actually looking forward to. And I'm ready for those questions. So with that being said, we're going to take a break. Step aside. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on iHeartRadio and Spotify. iHeartRadio now combines your favorite radio stations plus your on-demand music collection all in one app. iHeartRadio All Access now allows you to take your music collection offline to listen anywhere without a connection or using data. From the My Music Pivot, tap on a playlist you want to take offline. Toggle to Offline. Indicators will fill in seconds, showing when your tracks and playlists are available offline. Radio plus unlimited music all in one app. All right, you ready for some baseball trivia? Let's do it. What year produced the most no-hit games in the big leagues? Seven no-hitters in 1990. Wow, that's right. Now a question that's not trivial. How many children will witness bullying this year? Huh. The answer, three out of four. 75%? That's wow. right. How many of them will say something? Kids want to help, but don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. Aaron, how different does it feel walking to the podium this year with a year under your belt? And what did you learn last year that you're going to try to implement in your second season? Um, I don't know how much different because it's, I've said a couple times, it's just this living organism that every day is a continuation of from where you began. So I guess in some way, looking back, um, you know, certainly feel way further ahead of the game just in my knowledge of our organization, the relationships I have within our organization, not just with our players, but, um, you know, all the people in the front office, all the people behind the scenes that I know you know, know who they are, know about their families, know what their role is, know where to go for something that I might be looking for. So there's no question that, you know, just being much further along at this point. Um, but in a lot of ways, I feel like, uh, you know, I walked in fairly comfortable last year at this time. And what was the follow-up? With, with, with spring training, you know, I. 
look, living in, living in the Northeast now, as I do, um, spent a lot of time at the stadium, so a, a lot of conversations that span the entire offseason, the entire winter, um, with small things that we're trying to implement or want to implement that, that we'll implement a little bit here in spring training. Um, I think in a lot of ways, spring training will look very similar to last year, but there's definitely some things that hopefully we continue to evolve as a club that hopefully uh, allow us to improve all the time on the margins and, and help us reach our peak. Front row on the left, Eric. In regard to the big expectations that accompanied the team last year, you said your message to the team was go out there and expect to be great, mm -hmm. embrace those expectations. Is the message the same this year? Um, there's no question we'll, we'll embrace those. Um, you know, I haven't addressed the team yet, so not sure exactly you know, how I'll put it. I like to get up in front of them anytime, um, whether it's to start spring training or, or any time during the season where I dress the club. I like to go out there and, and you know, kind of let it rip. And, say what I'm thinking. I mean, there'll certainly be some things that I hit on, <clears throat> excuse me, with our club the first day. Um, but for the most part, I like to get up and, and kind of speak from the heart about, uh, you know, our expectations. And um, But there's no question. We'll, we'll embrace those expectations. I think everyone uh, that's been here a while, and certainly the new guys coming in, I think, understand what goes along with you know, having the kind of club we potentially have and being within this organization that the expectations are great. So uh, we, we welcome that. We look forward to that. And, and hopefully this year we can get to the top of the mountain. Same row, Sweeney. Aaron, how much better is your rotation coming into spring? And given CC's situation, do you feel like you have enough depth to have it be a, a good rotation to take you where you want to go? I, I do. I mean, health, obviously as with just about every club is is important with us and it's important that um you know we remain relatively healthy there's there's obviously going to be attrition during the year or, or you know even even when things go perfect guys are probably going to miss a start here and there um but we feel like we have people within the organization right now capable of filling in um but you know i think Staying healthy within our starting rotation and relatively healthy is obviously a key. Which guys are at the top of your list for depth? I mean, you're talking about Domingo Herman, Loisaga, um, uh, Chance Adams, you know, Michael King, who's, you know, come onto the scene a, a lot. Um, and, and then guys that will emerge along the way that you don't necessarily account for, you know, and Luis Sessa, who, you know, maybe is ticketed for our pen in a lot of ways, is a guy we know is capable of going out and starting as well. So we feel like we have a lot of internal options and a lot of internal options that, especially in a fill-in role, are capable of being very good pitchers for us. Bruce, in the middle. Aaron, you won 100 ball games last year, but is this team presently constituted in your mind better than a year ago? I hope so. Um, you know, we feel like, I feel like, you know, Brian and his staff have done a great job of, of adding reinforcements to our team. I think creating even greater depth for us going into this year, um, you know, 
probably a few more moving parts, a few more guys that you know we expect to have more versatile roles, um, but that, that really play into our depth. Um, obviously, adding some of the, the the pitchers that we've added, both starters and relievers, I feel like as we sit here in early February on paper, we probably look a little bit stronger. But you know, now we got to go out and and make sure we we keep guys healthy, keep guys posting, and and uh, and go deliver on on what we believe is a really good club. Okay, so that was Aaron Boone sharing his thoughts on the upcoming season and just going in this in the training camp the mindset obviously the Yankees are not going to have GD Gregorius for a while coming off the Tommy John surgery but he's a you know he's a position player so it won't be like a full season such as you see with a picture a pitcher and and that's understandable now the Yankees in the meantime have to figure out what they're going to do with their infield and playing shortstop Glaber Torres is a natural shortstop. He's been playing second base because of Didi. He could possibly see some time there. Also, uh, Tulowitzki, who I think is what they're kind of leaning towards going with Tulowitzki starting at shortstop. Uh, I do like DJ Lemieux as well. Um, you know, DJ is really good. He's one of those players that I feel like can fill different holes on the infield. You know, he can play second base, can play a little third. I, I like that type of player to have there, especially not having Neil Walker this season, who did a lot of that last year. Um, I think that works out. I think that you have opportunities to probably play a little Tyler Wade if they choose to go out down that route. He's been a guy that's been in the system for a while. Uh, and Duhar is going to be the everyday third baseman. That's just the way it has to be, considering the outfield uh, jam up they have there. You, you got... You know, Aaron Judge is going to play right field. Barring injury, he's going to be your outfielder. You got uh, Aaron Hicks, who got the big contract. Well-deserved contract. And a lot of people are talking about how how is he worth like 70 mil or even more than that. I think the guy has been such a a big-time player when he's healthy. Last two seasons, he's been amongst the top outfielders and center fielders in the game. And I just think he complements everyone so well. You can bat him as a leadoff hitter. He can play. He can be a number two hitter. I have him in my my own version of the uh, lineup card. Um, I have him as my leadoff hitter, and I think he makes the most sense there. Then you follow up with Judge batting second, uh, possibly batting third. This has been a back and forth thing. They could go with Stanton batting third, but they probably want to have him batting more like fourth cleanup in that type of spot. I could see if, depending on his spring, and that's really a big if, a big if would be Gary Sanchez as your number three, because we know Sanchez from his first season up, he was he was making a lot of contact, he was hitting a lot of home runs. Last season, there was the injuries, it was his you know, question of whether or not he was um, a, a good hard worker, things like that were on his mind. I know he's a great hitter. He knows he's a great hitter. He would be the perfect person to, to fill that number three hole. If they can't do that, then you could possibly see maybe Glaber getting up there and Duhar. And Duhar is a very interesting choice because they weren't expecting the high average and the way he was hitting. He's definitely a uh, a power guy. He showed that a lot in the minors, but he showed a little bit of everything offensively this past season. Probably should have won rookie of the year, in my opinion, but that was a whole nother thing. And it's it should motivate him going into this season to uh to just do better and 
I, I can see him as your number three. You know, you can it's it's to me that's such an important spot. That number three hole is such an important spot in the batting order. It kind of shapes out the the rest of the team and what they want to do. My big question, if you look at first base, there's the fight between Luke Voigt and Greg Bird, and a possibility that the person that does not win this battle for the first baseman job could be on its way out. He could be a trade candidate. So that's a big deal. And I like Luke Voigt a lot. I think he did a great job down the stretch, winning the job over a bird and uh, going into the postseason. The guy was on fire. I think he can continue that route as well. He's also not that he's not that old. He's in his 20s. Greg Bird has been the guy that they have wanted to be the first baseman in the future for the last four years now. And for him to lose his job and possibly lose his place in the team, it's it's really telling. And and the Yankees are, you know, let's be honest, the Yankees are always in win-now mode, but they really want to put it together and just put the right type of uh, lineup out there. And I I just can't see them keeping both of them. I just can't see it. So, you know, you talk about Luke Voigt or Greg Bird, both interesting options. Both should be playing hard this spring, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward with them. Now, with the pitching rotation... You're looking at this is this is the five that I have in my head right now. So people can have different opinions here, but uh, Severino's your ace. Paxton goes goes second. Tanaka third. Sabathia fourth, and then Hat fifth. Now I've heard people say me Sabathia should go fifth and back and forth. I don't know. I just think putting Hap in a situation where he doesn't have to. Because let's be let's be real, Hap was rolling last season. He was rolling at the end of last season. Sabathia is a veteran. He's he's in his last year. He's already made the announcement. I think that he would step up to the plate, you know, no pun intended, and really solidify that spot at number four. I, I just really feel comfortable with him there, especially after Tanaka. Because Tanaka, as good as Tanaka has been, he's always been the ace. He is now at the number three hole. I'm interested to see how Tanaka rebounds, knowing that he's not the ace of the staff. That it is Severino. Paxton is the big pickup, um, via you know via trade on any off season. I'm curious to see how they balance that out. Then you look in the bullpen. You're still going with Batances. We're hoping for consistency out of him, and Zach Britton having a full season now in pinstripes after coming over in the trade with the Orioles. Can he handle that role as a setup man? Uh, Chad Green, you get him back. Jonathan Holder, we're hoping for big things out of him. Um, out of Vino also, you know, these are guys that it should be interesting. You know, how will they fit in with the bullpen? Uh, Chapman is going to be Chapman. He's going to get hurt. I'm going to call right now. He's going to get hurt. Who's going to be that next guy? I always, in my mind, envision it to be Batances, but he's he's been shaky. He's been so up and down that... You really don't know what you're going to get out of them. So for the Yankees, that's going to be an interesting uh, situation and in how they handle him, how they handle Chapman, who's going to be that guy when you, you already pitched Chapman three days in a row, who you throwing in for that fourth day to get that, that save. That's a big thing. So Britain has the experience as well. So hopefully he does, you know, get back to the form when he was a dominant closer for the Orioles because the Yankees really need that. And I think that it would be a... a it would be the perfect situation to be able to say, okay, we can go six or seven innings and have such a dominant bullpen. Because on paper, the bullpen is amazing. 
but can they get it done when it matters? And that's that's really what it comes down to. Aaron Boone in his second season as the manager, I think he'll make better decisions with the bullpen. I wasn't really that that happy with his moves. I felt like he was very cautious with certain things. And you got to be smart with the moves. You got to know, okay, this guy doesn't have it. Let's make a, let's make a switch. You got to be willing to do that. That's something Girardi was really good at. I know they always criticize him for other things, but I felt like he managed the bullpen very well. And uh, with Boone, I'm hoping for the same type of um, consistency once he really understands his players and understands the role. The guy was just came off his first season, so I'm always going to give him a pass, but no one else is because of Cora winning the title with Boston. That's just the way it goes. Giancarlo Stan in his second year in pinstripes. First year, by his standards, not being an all-star, was not great, but he still put up some pretty decent numbers. I, I want to see more out of him. I want to see Aaron Judge stay healthy, so... You know, Brett Gardner is still on the team. He's going to be that that backup outfielder that won't have to play every day. The fact that he got him at a value price for one more year is uh is, is telling, and it's pretty good. So that's real good insurance right there. And then the biggest question mark of the Yankees, Mr. Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury, he's hurt right now. He's injured again. Will he be ready? This guy is making superstar, all-star money, and he's barely played in two seasons. He is such an X-factor as to what he could bring off the bench or starting. You never know what you're going to get out of Jacoby Ellsberg. This, was, this guy at one time was one of the best outfielders in baseball. So as a Yankee fan, I'm really hoping to see something out of Ellsbury. I hope he plays. But uh, you know, Yankee fans, look, we're in for we're in for an interesting season. I think it's going to be a good run, and uh, we'll just see how everything pieces together. With that being said, I'm going to step aside. You listen to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on iHeartRadio and Spotify. I'm Paul George. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Well, first, good morning, everyone. I'm more than happy, I would say blessed, be able that. um, What's this uniform? Franchise, the history, all the legends, great players, been through this organization, and the history. And also happy to be back in New York. And just can't wait for the season to start and be able to um, go out there and perform and help the teams to win a World Series. Yeah, good. 
Uh, first of all, good morning to everybody. Like I always say, um, prehistory in the men's, so I decided to to start the season. I came here to win. Uh, to the Mets fans, we came here to win and try to reach the watches and get the ring. Thank you, gentlemen. With that, we're going to open it up to questions. There's mics on each side of the room. If you, uh, for the live audiences at home, please just state your name and affiliation prior to your question. Steve. Uh, Steve Gilbs, SNY. Brody, uh, to your right over here against the wall. Um, this one's for you. Obviously, you mentioned the young players that are involved in this deal. There's been a, a fair share of questioning criticism about including that level of prospect. What in particular made you comfortable in this deal, including guys of that cali caliber, specifically Jared Kelly? I think there's always an acquisition cost when you, when you bring in premier talent to the organization. And, and when you do so, you have to sacrifice, sacrifice resources. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's talented players. Um, I think that you know, this this group of five, we had certainly had players that we felt like could contribute to our team in 2019, and we had prospects that we fully expect will help another team going forward. And I think the Mariners will be lucky to have those three guys on the prospect side. And I know uh, I know there's motivation on the veteran players to to rebound from where they were last year. But for us, the opportunity to go uh, fill two primary needs that we laid out in the off, at the start of the off season. Is, uh, it was paramount in trying to, trying to get this deal done, and we were willing to make those sacrifices. Rich over here in the middle. Uh, Rich Patino, ESPN Radio. When you talk about the acquisition of Robinson Cano, can you talk about what that means to the middle of your lineup, particularly having a guy like Conforto there, and hopefully Cespedes by midseason? Yeah, I, I think that you know, you, I think many in this room have heard me talk about our ability or lack thereof to score runs in the past. And, and I think that we need to bring talented guys. Robinson certainly is one of those that can control the strike zone, that can give us quality at bats consistently. And to bring in an eight-time all-star that has, has the ability to hit right and left-handers to immediately get inserted in the middle of the lineup uh, changes the dynamic for us. It creates length. And it creates uh, creates production that will make you know, all of our all of our hitters better. Um, we had the chance to see see Brandon Nimmo before this press conference, and we we joked that you know it's a it's a tremendous opportunity for him to score more runs when he's getting on base with this guy hitting hitting behind him. On the right. Uh, good morning, Buenos días, Julio Pavón. It's uh, nice to see you back in uh, New York, Robinson, and bienvenido, Edwin. Uh, my, my, my question to both of you, what was the first thing that came into your mind when you heard that your name was mentioned in, this, in Blockbuster deal coming to New York? Well, for me, first of all, you know, what I said earlier is this organization, you know, was across the street, so I know I play against a lot, I mean, against them a lot, and uh, also the, the fan base in New York, you know. Various fans of baseball, they wouldn't be back. And like I said, I mean, you know, got to talk to Brody before I decide. And uh, you know, all that um, the pieces that um, you know he's gonna get and, and be able to make this team to win. And for me, I play this game because I love to win. I don't care anything else. And for me, it's all about winning. Like you know, I always say this, and I was gonna say it. It's not about playing on the city to game and just go home. It's about winning and be able to, um, you know, win another win, especially on this side of the city. 
is is mean a lot. For me, when I know when I know I got trained, so I start side, I text Robbie right away. Hey man, we going to New York, so let's go there and have fun and you know be with the best find the baseball. Um, you know what's side about that? Again on the right. Bueno, para mí yo creo que puedo traer mucho. Creo que este es un juego donde no solamente se basa un año, pero gracias a Dios que me he ido preparando toda mi carrera y ya con la experiencia que tengo y con el con eso ese gran talento joven que tiene este equipo creo que puedo contribuir y dar lo mejor de mí como siempre o sea y seguir trabajando fuerte como siempre lo he hecho y es como anteriormente creo que la experiencia es lo que ayuda bastante ya en este nivel este yo creo que este, Nueva York es un mercado fuerte pero yo soy un muchacho que trabaja mucho y yo sé que tengo que trabajar fuerte para estar aquí este y yo sé que puedo demostrar lo que tengo y de verdad estoy súper contento de estar aquí en Nueva York y demostrar las habilidades mías en el terreno. James in the back. Brody and uh, Jeff, this question is for you. I just, I mean, this, this sign seems to show, this trade seems to show that you guys are very serious about winning this coming season. So I guess what are you guys prepared to do next to kind of add to the roster and continue, whether it's more trades or signing free agents like, to help uh, fix the rest of the week? You want me to take that one? Yeah. I think James allowed you to jump in there too, if you want. Sure. Good. <laughs> uh, I, I think it, uh, it, it goes without saying, but I'll state it very clearly, that we did not make this move to have this be our last move. I think we have, uh, we have talent already on the roster. I said consistently throughout my tenure that we want to bolster our team. We want to improve our production next year. We want to win more games and hopefully we can continue to add more talent around guys like this and that's a that's our mission. Okay, so that was the latest acquisitions from the uh New York Mets, Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, Robinson Cano, the former New York Yankee, former Seattle Mariner, all of that. It's going to be interesting, you know, having Cano back in New York but wearing orange and blue with the Mets. Like I said, I don't think the Mets are going to be that great this season. I do, however, think they will be competitive. They will be, um, if they stay healthy, that's always kind of like the New York Mets motto. If they can stay healthy, they'll be a pretty darn good team. It's just staying healthy, and that's always a question mark. For Like, if you just go by uh, Jed Lowry, like, is he healthy? We don't know. Todd Frazier, not healthy. Uh, he's going to be out for a while with his situation. So you're looking at, this roster and the, the question marks are there. First of all, Robinson Cano, how many games is he going to give you? Is he going to still be effective? Is it still a Robinson Cano from, you know, five, maybe five years ago? Can he be that guy? Can he be a top second baseman in baseball? That's what the Mets are hoping for. Uh, you're not going to have Cespedes this year because of injury. So you're looking at an outfield of possibly Brandon Nemo, uh, Juan Lagares, and Michael Conforto. It's uh not a lot of, you know, Nimmo, you don't know. He was a surprise. Uh, Conforto is supposed to be your main guy, your hitter. Uh, that's basically your star player right there. He should be interesting uh, in terms of where they bat him, how they portray him, how they push him out there to be the guy. Now, now that David Wright is gone, uh, 
the Mets are still looking for a face of the franchise. And I think they would really love for Conforto to be the guy. So it'll be interesting to see him. Uh, Ahmed Rosario is another guy that they are really high on. They've been high on him for a while. He got his first chance last year to be the everyday shortstop. Can he be the shortstop of the future? Can he be that guy that could become an all-star? You know, I've heard that when he first got brought up, they were comparing him to Francisco Lindor. And I thought that's a that's a pretty high ceiling to compare a young player to. Lindor is amazing. He is um, one of the top players in baseball. And I, I just I don't see it yet. Uh, looking at Dominic Smith, Dominic Smith is a interesting case. He's a guy that they've called up here and there the last two seasons. He possibly is going to be the starting first baseman, if not Todd Frazier. Uh, there's going to be a lot of back and forth with that one. If Frazier gets healthy, I don't know. Third base, first base is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Wilson Ramos will be the uh, starting catcher, it appears. Uh, they still got Darno. They still have that situation there. Uh, they brought back um, Familia at the closer role. And I was surprised he wanted to go back, but um, he has a lot of success with New York. And I I, just, I think maybe that was enough to keep him there and, and want to stay or even come back, I should say, because he had a, a horrible run with the athletics during that whole trade at the trade deadline. So he, he returns as the closer. Or actually not as the closer, as a setup man. I'm sorry. Edwin Diaz will be the closer. So I didn't want all the Mets fans to you know, curse me out right away. Edwin Diaz, great closer. Makes a lot of sense. Familiar now in a setup role. Will make a lot of sense as well. Seth Lugo, you're going to have in the bullpen. Justin Wilson. Uh, a lot of question marks there with that bullpen still. I, I still think they're about another guy or two away from being really solidified. But that's going to be a lot of up and down with the minors and whoever they can bring in to, to fill holes. It's That's kind of what the Mets have done with the bullpen because the starters, Jacob DeGrom is the main reason why the Mets won some games last year. Even though they didn't help him in terms of support, the guy could have won a good 20-plus games if he got maybe just two runs per game. That's how crazy it was and how dominant he was as a pitcher. I think the guy was a obviously one of Cy Young, but he put on one of the best pitching performances during a regular season I've ever seen. He is just that good. So Jacob Degrom, they're lucky to have a guy like that. Zach Wheeler in the rotation, Syndergaard, if he can stay healthy, you're talking about just those three alone. That's a that's a good three right there. Syndergaard is so is so important to that team's future and how they want to. Just if they want to be competitive, not because he is that other guy next to Degrom. You got Jason Vargas. You also got Steven Matz, who's always been sort of up and down, but uh, when he's when he's good and he's on, he's tough to hit. So he's another guy that the Mets have. They have big hopes for, and they want him to be healthy. They want him to be out there. I am seeing you know different things with the Mets. I, I just don't know if they're a team that's in transition or they're a team that. It's trying to go for it. It's it's such a it's such an odd setup for their roster. And you know, maybe like I said, Mets fans always find the optimistic view out of everything. I just don't see this team I just don't see them making it out the uh NL East. I got the Phillies winning it, um, possibly Atlanta number two. Mets will be probably third. I just don't see them uh being that competitive in the division. But uh we'll see what happens. You have uh, Mickey Calloway, 
another year with him. He's um, in his second season, so do you feel like he's the guy? Because there was a lot of Mets fans that were not happy with Mickey Calloway's uh, first time out there. I think he's a good manager. I think he's been um, put in a very tough situation with the Mets, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm curious to see how they allow him to grow. Now that there's a new regime, there's a new general manager, will he be a part of the future plans for this team? So that's things to look out for this season. If you're a Mets fan, I, I'm, I'm really not sure too much about the David Wright special role he has with any organization. He's a guy I feel like should be the manager one day. Just put it out there. I don't know if that's something he has on his mind, but it just makes the most sense for as much as he's been on the bench and helping other players along the way in the uh, Mets organization. So uh, that's the uh, 2019 New York Mets, in my opinion. Like I said, they're not going to be a playoff team this year. I could be wrong. We could look back on this podcast and you could laugh at me and call me out, but I just don't think this is a playoff team right now. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. Go ahead, step aside for a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Eddieston Jr. here on iHeartRadio and Spotify. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Oh, man. It's finally over. Finally a Padre. <laughs> well, first off, I want to thank, you know, Ron, Peter, you know, the whole Padre organization, Andy, AJ. Um, you know, it was a lot of hard work this, this entire offseason. Um, you guys finally came. And, uh, you know, I'm truly blessed to be here, truly blessed to be a part of this organization. Um, you know, since day one, since we met you, uh, you know, this, 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 we knew it was the right fit for me and my wife to be here. So, um, you know, we're very excited to be here and start this new journey of our baseball career, our, our lives, um, you know, and t- take on that San Diego weather and take on this team. Um, so, um, I want to thank my wife as well for being there all these nights. Danny, Matt, you guys are the best, best in the game. You guys, uh, long phone calls, a lot of fights, but, you know, you guys are family, um, you know, so, Appreciate all the love that you guys have always gone. Josh, Raj, you guys are the best. Petey, you're my boy, baby, always. <laughs> but, um, you know, just, uh, just excited to be here, excited to be a part of this, you know, this organization. Um, you know, I'm excited to come out here and start playing baseball, start learning my new teammates, new faces. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, is, uh, you know, we're truly blessed. Up to questions, and we're going to start over here with the microphones. Please remember, uh, AJ Cassavel. Um, can you take us through the last couple of weeks, what they've been like, and uh, why ultimately San Diego was the right fit for you? <coughs> Sorry. Uh, well, you know, it's, it, was, it, was, it was a hectic, you know, off season as well. But you know, the last couple of weeks, um, you know, San Diego came came in. Uh, you know, wanted to meet met. Uh, you know, like like what AJ had to say, 
Um, you know, I like the game plan, what, what, you know, what they brought to the table, you know, from, from, you know, from ownership to front office to coaching staff, you know, to the players. Um, you know, the whole, the whole shabam was just so, so, so perfect, you know, and, um, you know, made it a little easier to make the decision that, you know, they're confident in bringing me on board, helping me be a part of this team, help the younger guys, you know, one of best farm systems in the game, the best. And, um, you know, just to come here as, as you know, a 26-year-old veteran to, uh, um, you know, just try to give my knowledge to these guys and, you know, hopefully get back to the playoffs of the city of uh, San Diego and, you know, bring, bring a championship. To your right, Manny. Uh, Bryce Miller from the San Diego Union-Tribune. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what this situation is wholly unique for the Padres to a degree and, and to you personally, the, the organization's willingness to spend this much on a free agent player and in a market where the team hasn't been to the playoffs since 2006. So by default, that money and the, that, uh, you know, the on-field expectations, do you feel like there's some pressure on you? And if, if so, how do you kind of address that, deal with it? No, obviously it's a uh, you know, big commitment um, you know, by Ron and Peter and the whole uh, Padre organization to uh, you know, put the faith in me. Um, to come out here and, and you know be the player I am, and uh, you know that, that's that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go out there and uh, you know continue playing baseball. How I've always played. Um, try to help these, these these young guys coming up. You know with with the other veterans that we have around the ball club as well. So um, you know at the end of the day, no pressure. We're just playing playing baseball, trying to enjoy ourselves. You know try to get everybody as a team connected, and you know try to be the best possible team as we can and. You know, hopefully, you know, if we have the right pieces and the right things moving forward and we get connected as a team, I think, uh, you know, we could do some pretty good things here. Manny, Ben Higgins from the Mighty 1090 and 10 News in the back. Um, you're from Florida, played most of your career in Baltimore. There was a suggestion out there that you'd rather play on the East Coast. You're obviously excited about the Padres organization. How comfortable are you geographically with this move? Awesome. It's one of the best, <laughs> best cities in the world. <laughs> it can't be better. I have my brother-in-law here. You know, my two best friends have, uh, you know, obviously played here in this organization. They talk very highly of it. They love it and, uh, you know, made the decision a little easier. Tabitha Lipkin from Fox 5 San Diego. My question for you, Manny, is when did the Padres initially get on your radar and what was it about the organization that attracted you to it besides the monetary aspect? Um, you know, about maybe, say, maybe about a month, month, month and a half maybe, about so around there. Uh, um, you know, just sitting down with them and, and hearing what, what, what AJ had to bring and, and kind of, you know, at that point, I kind of started doing my research on, on the organization and, um, you know, on the owners, ownership, front office, the players, and, uh, you know, I just, I kind of liked where they're at. You know, it, it, it brought, brought me to it. Um, this is something that we've always, you know, wanted was, you know, wanted to be part of a family. Um, you know, they're bringing that as well. Um, they're huge on family here, so that was a check on our list. And then, obviously, the, the players, the coaching staff, um, front office, you know, it was, just, it was just like a perfect fit for us. And, um, you know, those, those, young, those young prospects, the number one, you know, uh, farm system in the game, you know, it's, that, was, that was their one. So, you know, I know what I can bring to the table. I know what, what they're going through. So, you know, whatever I could do to, you know, help them out in whatever way, you know, that's what, 
That's what I wanted to do. So that was Manny Machado talking about his uh, new deal and joining the Padres. And let's be honest, the Padres are going to be one of those teams where it's like, okay, they have young talent. I don't expect them to win a lot of games, but I expect Machado to put up crazy numbers. This is going to be similar to when Alex Rodriguez first went to Texas. Remember that back when? And he put up amazing numbers before the steroid allegations, but the team didn't win. I feel like that's going to be the same sort of situation with Machado. I just can't see him, you know, winning a bunch of games with this Padres team. I just feel like they have a lot of holes missing. They need to uh, get some veterans in there. And they're not really ready to compete. They're not looking, you're not looking at them as the team to beat in the NL West. So I'm not too worried about that situation. If it, Actually, if you're an American League team, you're probably happy that, because he didn't go to you, he's not in the he's not in the um not the conference. Wow, the league. He's not in the league anymore. You get to only worry about him in the random interleague play or possibly the World Series. So that's a thought. Another guy we're still waiting for is obviously Bryce Harper. Now here's my thought on Bryce Harper. Great player, amazing. Um, you know, all the, the hype around him, he lives up to it. Last year was sort of a down year in terms of average for him. But that guy, in terms of his power and just knowing how to play the game, uh, he's one of the best outfielders in the game. There's no there's no questioning that. And I don't think anybody should have to ever have to question that, especially what he did for that Nationals franchise. As to where he goes is the bigger question. You know, everyone's saying possibly Los Angeles and it's not that far from Vegas, and that's where he's from. He's uh, a Vegas kid, and obviously playing playing in L.A. is not that far from home. You have that situation. Philadelphia has been pushing very hard, has been very open about having him on the franchise and uh, throwing random numbers out there. I think he turned down $300 million from Washington, and the Phillies, are I heard, are trying to get to that number to bring him in because the Phillies have a nice roster they put together there. They even added Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, McCutcheon was with the Yankees towards the end of the last season. He's a veteran player, former MVP, perfect player to have for that type of team. He has so much young talent. You're bringing a veteran, it, it just makes sense for them. So Harper being alongside him would make a lot of sense. And I know he's had some thought into it. And the Phillies are the Phillies want to win right now. They were they've been bad for a couple of years. They want to win right now, and that's that's the move you make if you're trying to win. You go after Bryce Harper. Now my question is: When Harper gets the contract, however much amount he asks for, can he realistically live up to it? Same way with Machado, can he realistically live up to three hundred million? I don't think anybody can. That's my honest opinion. I don't think anybody can really live up to three hundred million dollars. Giancarlo Stanton is an example of that. I mean, as good as he was with the Marlins, Marlins never won. He gets with the Yankees, the numbers drop a little bit, but he's winning. But you're always going to wonder, like, man, he's making how much? And he's on our team? But was he? You know, you're expecting video game numbers of 70 home runs every year. That's just not realistic in baseball. It's just, it just isn't. I, I'm really curious to see how how they really take this to another level in terms of like who's going to be the next guy that gets the big contract and 
and what the expectations are. I have yet to see a pitcher make anything that that large of an amount. Now, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I just haven't seen that in regards to pitchers making big money like that. It would be interesting as well, and I just think there needs to be a value put on pitching. You get all these um, position players making $300 million, $250 million, like it's nothing, making pretty much every um, <laughs> every NFL player sick because NFL players can barely get paid anything. They're cut at a moment's notice. There is no guaranteed money. It's, man, I, I, I'm sorry. I just could never be the guy who say, oh, man, I got to play in the NFL because it's just not fair. It's I, I couldn't do it. Could do it. I, I know um, Kyler Murray's been making that decision. He said he wants to play football. All all power to him. I, I wouldn't do it. I just couldn't do it in regards to the uh, difference in pay, the physicality that does go on in football. It's There's such a cloud surrounding that situation as that's never really been addressed. And uh, you have to love the game in order to do it because they're not getting paid and Listen, if you're going to be doing something, you want to make sure you're getting compensated correctly. And baseball, and let's be honest, they overcompensate you sometimes. But it is over almost 200 games a year. That's a lot. That's a lot. You talk about 162 regular season. Then you got spring training. Then you got postseason games. It's a lot of baseball. So that money is going to you somehow. But uh, it should be interesting moving forward. I want to take the time to thank everybody for tuning in today. All the baseball fans out there, just it's coming. Just the countdown. We're in spring training. Opening day is right around the corner. So this is great times. As always, at Eddieston Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. I look forward to your feedback, and I will be playing some of your responses on the show next week. You've been listening to Sports Social with Eddieston Jr. here on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify.